0: Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Happens Weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. I'm here with Student Association President Ashley Lay to talk about a project that she's been working on for her entire tenure. Ashley, what kind of updates can you tell us about this project?
1: Sure, so this project stemmed from a lot of concern about affordability at GW. Um, When we talk about affordability, we think a lot about how students can afford to live not only in the district of Washington, D.C., but also Um, at GW when they're home. And we have been doing a lot of research, we have been listening to students, we we put our surveys, um, and we found that you know it's not actually the tuition, it's not actually the bigger cost that is causing students a lot of concerns, but it's actually the daily cost. This year, um, my cabinet members, we found that laundry at GW is the highest among all of our 12 peer institutions. We found that students use at least $42 a semester from the data that we've seen. Um, So we look at that research and we found that, you know, at Georgetown, they have the same laundry contractor and they actually have a system where uh, Georgetown students can do laundry up to 24 cycles for free. And so we suggested that idea earlier this semester to the CFO, Mark Diaz. And he said that, yeah, That absolutely makes sense. Nothing in it is unreasonable. Students should not have to worry about doing laundry at home. And if if this is your home, we shouldn't be charging you for things that keep you clean. So it makes sense, and the CFO and the president was very supportive of this idea. On the same vein, we look at the student reservation fees. Um, So every year the Finance Committee allocate funds in the spring semester, last year we allocated 25% of our fund for just reservation space. That translates to monetary um, terms is about $255,000 out of our $1.1 million budget it's a lot of money that we could have allocated to have better events um, to have better speakers to have higher quality activities and so we really look at that and see how we can elevate that burden for students especially for the smaller student organizations for other student orgs there's no way they would be able to afford that and so we as a, as a student organization ourselves, look at how we can better that. And our uh, VP for campus operation, Beljanani also started research with a market basket uh, comparison with every other university and their cost of space for student orgs. And we found that we are the one of the only university that charge students to rent space at the university. And so we then presented this report to the president again, and um, the CFO, Mark Diaz, and again, it made complete sense. The student association fees that you guys have to pay every semester, it should not go back to the university. It should go to student activities, it should go to your student organization, it should go to how to better your experience, not to pay for rental space. The changes that are going to happen is that for starting with the two most used space on campus, the listener auditorium and of your room, um, students organization will not have to pay for that anymore they will still have to pay for staff and audio and tech but other than that they won't have to pay for the rental fees itself. And I know there's something else
0: that's that's being changed as well with the, the printing costs. Can you explain how that's yeah, so, happening there? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So the printing cost is something that is also very exciting. And honestly, we, the student association ourselves, did not come up with a report. Um, we wanted to start with laundry and fees. But when we started a conversation with Mark, um, he then asked, okay, so what else? What other fees that you have to pay? And so we said, well, printing is another one. But we understand that there are a lot of other aspects aspect of that come into printing like sustainability we don't want to encourage students to print too much because of our sustainability minded um, initiatives and so we did not come with this report but when mark and the president and our team look back and look at how affordability is impacting the student experience we decided that maybe this is something that we should start thinking about and should start having a pilot program um, to see if it could help with the affordability issues for students as of right now our plan is to introduce a Credit system. Um, so, same thing with laundry. Laundry students will have 24 loads for free per semester. For printing, we are still figuring the number out. I think that is still in the process of being determined, but we will look at the data of how much students, all students at GW use for printing per semester. Right now, it's suggested that students use. Per semester, students so use around twenty to twenty-five dollars of printing. If that is the majority of the case, then starting in the fall semester, we'll introduce a pilot where we will put twenty-five dollars of printing credit on G-World. and if they need to print more, then that's when we have to start paying for printing.
0: For for the pilot, like how how does that work? Will only a certain number of students get it, or like why is that a pilot phase?
1: So not every student will have that credit of printing on the World, we don't know if that number of money will stay the same we may increase it we may decrease it depending on how many how much printing student use but every student will be benefited from this change.
0: Well, it sounds like the administration, especially Mark Diaz, the chief financial officer, has been very receptive to these ideas. What has the relationship been like with other officials and their contributions to the research aspect and the setting up of the logistics?
1: Yeah, so I think that this year we have had a very interesting and honestly good relationship with administrators. I think half of the administrators are new, right? Mark Diaz is new, the president is still relatively new, Dean Petty just came in for six months. And so there is a lot of fresh perspective. The one thing that I would attribute the most to is the changing of the university in terms of its strategic initiative. The reason why we have the budget now, the reason why we have the money, the reason why we have the resources is because the university now value and, and prioritize the student experience. It's not about revenues anymore. It's not about um, making profits of our students anymore. It's about how to make students more comfortable in the home it's about how to make students feel like they can afford opportunity that no one else that that they can't get anywhere else
0: and and speaking of the money and the resources how are they adjusting the budget and where
1: is the money kind of coming from so i think the money has always been there you know, GW, we are a university and we have a lot of places where we do have the resources. I think this year the change is just that we are reallocating the resources to the student experience.
0: But as far as like reallocation, there's not a specific place that it's coming from, like they're taking the money away
1: from to fund this, for example. No. This will not impact the tuition. Tuition will okay. not go up just because now students can pay, don't have to pay for laundry and printing and space anymore.
0: And now that these objectives kind of have been achieved with affordability, mm-hmm. what do you think are the next steps, what do you think are the next targets for affordability for students?
1: Food security is one that comes to my mind. I think that those that issue is not only about affordability, but it's not going any, away anytime soon. And I think that next administration, even two, three, four years uh, from now, they will still focus on those issues. And transportation is something that I've heard a lot of students talking about, I think with the conversation about the Wamata University pass. Um, I think that's something that uh, next year student leaders will take on and, and really learn more and do more research on how the university can help in that issue. Thanks so much for coming on Ashley. Thanks for having me.
0: The student association has been hosting town halls for the past year and student life editor Paige Morse is here to talk with us about what student association leaders found. Paige can you tell us more? They've been having halls like devoted specifically to different
2: minority groups on campus. Some of the sessions that were hosted were geared towards um, Asian Pacific Islander communities, the black community, the LGBTQIA community, as well as women of color and a few other different minority groups. What did people who came to the town hall say overall? Some of the concerns that students expressed um, had to do with being able to access the Multicultural Student Services Center because it's located on the second floor, so it's difficult for students with disabilities to access the center. Students also brought up being able to accommodate certain housing requests based on what minority group they're a part of. Some things were like big changes that administrators would have to be a part of. And then some changes were just something that the student association could handle.
0: So now that the leaders have heard the concerns, what are their action plans?
2: exactly ironed out exactly what they're doing with administrators yet, but they plan to gather together as an entire group. The group has about 24 members and discuss all of the information that they've gathered from each session and figure out how to move forward with each concern that was brought up, whether that's passing legislation in the SA Senate, working with administrators, or working with student organizations individually to solve these problems.
0: As far as getting more feedback from students. Are there going to be more sessions in the future? Raina Hackett,
2: who is going to be an undergraduate senator in the Columbian College of Arts and Sciences, is going to lead the Diversity and Inclusion Assembly next year, and she said that she plans to move forward with hosting these sessions again next year. Do you know how many people turned out to these sessions? Some of the Diversity and Inclusion Assembly members said that Some sessions were attended by 15 to 20 people, whereas some were attended by no students.
0: As far as turnout, do they have any plans for how to do that better? AJ
2: Link, the current Diversity and Inclusion Assembly Chair, said that he thinks that the Diversity and Inclusion Assembly should advertise more in the future for these events. He said that the Diversity and Inclusion Assembly was not as successful as it could have been this year, and he said that he was disappointed with the turnout, and he hopes that next year with more advertising, with more people will turn out for these events.
0: What did leaders in these different minority communities say about the listening session? Kendrick Chang, the outgoing president of
2: the Hawaii Club, attended the Asian and Pacific Islander community session on Thursday last week. He said that there was sort of, there was a low turnout at his event and he was not surprised by this because he said the event was not well advertised and he also thought the way that the essay was framing the event could have been clearer as to what they were doing with the information that was shared. He felt that there wasn't anything to go forward with to help him and his organization after he left the meeting. Thanks for the update, Paige. Thank you for having me, Meredith.
0: I'm here with culture editor Sydney Lee to talk about a senior's thesis project at the Corcoran. Sydney, can you tell us what makes this
3: project so special? Oh, Ashley Yanis did her thesis project through a series of self-portraits of a quinceanera photo shoot that she never got to have when she was 15. So why did she decide to take that route? So When she was 15 years old, her mom asked her if she wanted to have a photo shoot like her sisters did and like her grandmother did, but she ended up denying the opportunity because she felt that there were a lot of cultural and gender expectations surrounding it that she couldn't fulfill. How has this thesis project helped her explore that? Well, she said that she was able to appreciate the tr- tradition more now that she's older because it is part of like a cultural conservation, but at the same time she wanted to do it from a more critical perspective where she could explore the sexist history behind the tradition. What do the portraits themselves look like? Well first of all they're all framed in big gold-leafed frames and she said that these are purposely kind of gaudy and over the top because that's how the quinceañera photo shoots are normally hung. So there's one in particular where it's a series of three self-portraits in one frame and in one of them she is pouring tea because she said that growing up she went to a lot of of tea parties because she had a very hyper-feminine childhood, so she thought it was important to incorporate the tea pouring. And then another one, she's blowing out candles, and then a third one, she's just kind of commercially laughing. Were there any other major influences for this project? Yeah, so she grew up in Miami, and she is Cuban-American, so that was a really big part of her upbringing as well as how it affects her art now and she said that she didn't really realize that she was a Latin artist or Cuban-American until she came to GW for school and then she realized that her aesthetic had very much to do with her Cuban upbringing. And another thing that she mentioned influenced her work a lot was growing up Cuban Catholic. She said that she's not a very spiritual person, but she loves the aesthetic of Catholicism. And she said that she loves that you can attribute beauty to something even though it doesn't necessarily have to have spiritual meaning to you. So she uses a lot of that part of her identity in her art as well. Can people still visit her exhibit? Yeah, so it's going to be on display in the flag building until May 18th. Thanks for giving us a preview of this project, Sydney. Thank you for having me.
0: Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Meredith Roten and features culture editors Sydney Lee and Molly Kaiser. This podcast is produced by assistant video editor Jacob Fulvag and podcast host Meredith Roten. Music is produced by Oak Studio. Special thanks to Ashley Lay and Paige Morse for joining us.